Hi, this is Neil and Denise. And welcome to this flight bound for amazing destinations, where influential guests share their most interesting and captivating travel stories. We are about to take off. Please straighten up your seats, fasten your seat belts, keep window shades up, and tray tables stowed. This is Mabuhay, passenger! So good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Uh, today we have our guest Anya Lim, who is the Princess Ant, and uh, wow, Manji- Princess uh, Ant, yeah. yes, Princess Ant, <laughs> the managing director and founder of Ant Hill Fabric Gallery. So hi Anya, welcome to Mabuhay welcome Passenger. Welcome to Mabuhay Passenger, Anya. Hi. Hello, Hello, Neil. Hello, Denise. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, we're also excited to have you here for Mabuhay Passenger. Yeah. Yes, we're so it's uh, it's really nice. Uh, I'm really grateful that you're able to make the time for um, our episode today. It's going to be really fun. And for everyone listening, we're going to have a really fun conversation with Anya today about traveling and building communities. Yeah, building so we'll communities about, and business. Mm. Yes, building communities and uh, business and, and working with communities, right, with your social enterprise. So for yeah. those who don't know, Ant Hill Fabric Gallery is a social enterprise that uh, produce, that works with communities uh, that have uh, hand-weaving traditions. And they also produce amazing um, clothes, accessories, and other home th- uh, home furnishings, right? So, Anya, welcome again. Welcome to a boy passenger. And today we'll have some stories about your fieldwork, now the and how you work with the communities in the Philippines. So, but before we jump into the conversation, we usually ask our guests now. Uh, our lightning round questions. Yeah, so these are five questions. Um, you, you answer just top of mind. Are you ready, Anya? Yes, let's r- let's rock and roll. Ready? Okay. All right. Okay. Neil, you wanna so, go first? Yeah. So for the first question, what was your most memorable travel experience? This can be local. This can be international. Hmm. Segura, so, my first um. Memorable, my memorable travel experience would be the first time I was actually able to travel internationally. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was a kid, um, you know, my, my, my classmates and my friends, they come from like rich families. And <laughs> like the, the school I went to, it was like a private um, school for girls. And mm. my classmates would spend summer vacations in Hong Kong, Singapore. Oh, wow. they'd, they'd go to the U.S., ganon. And, um, you know, I, I, we didn't have that, the resources to travel abroad. But my parents took us traveling around the country so much. Mm, okay. But um, when I was 13, I was um, able to have the opportunity to um, be part of this exchange program. So my okay. first my first international travel travel was when I was thirteen and I went to Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Um, yeah. For the first and time then, that's really you know, Australia. Bonga. Yeah. And then we we, <laughs> yes. we we spent like um two weeks or three weeks there, uh, learning about the culture, etc. And I knew I knew in my heart that it was like a country 
that I wanted to go back to. So mm. that's why it's it's like memorable for me. So you oh, were like high no school, wonder. first year high school. Yeah, I, I was first year high school. We were wow. like teenagers and oh, that's super fun, no? Super with your culture classmates. shock. Oh. Yeah, with our classmates and then. We uh, spent time in University of Melbourne and then a yeah. culture shock. Yeah, na culture shock kami, na culture shock kami <laughs> dahil yung banyo, yung banyo ng ng girls, like uh. nung banyo yung girls, may condom dispenser. What? Oh my god. What? Yeah, like, this is so, it's so progressive. <laughs> Sobra, and this was I will reveal my what? age, but this was like 90, 90, 97? 97, 98. OMG, very forward thinking. Wow. Yeah. Alright, so for the um, mm-hmm. I I studied in Brisbane in 2012, and okay. it's really been my place of of calm and my place of balance. Wow! You know, okay. yeah, like, parang I don't know, like it was just really life changing, being able to live there on mm-hmm. my own. Wow! Yeah, okay. so parang since 2000, since 2012, and mm-hmm. since after I finished school. Right. Um. Every year, I I make it a point, or not just make it a point. Parang for some reason, the universe also conspires that I'm able to have reason or opportunity to go there since mm. I finished school. Oh, so parang like 2012, that. yeah, since 2012 until now, every year I'm able to go. That was also wow. my last. That was also my last um destination before the oh. pandemic. Ah, yeah. okay. Oh wow, okay. Are you planning yeah. to go back this year? <laughs> yeah, like if the borders Actually, if the borders are as lifted, soon as it definitely yeah. yeah. And I think that about uh, your brother also lives in Australia, right? Yeah, my brother is in Melbourne now, but you know, mm. Brisbane, I don't know, there's it's always like it's like it really makes me feel at home. Like mm. yung, so beautiful. The intimacy of the city just makes me feel I belong. Ah, okay. Oh, wow. That's Brisbane so is smaller no? than no, no, than Melbourne or Sydney. Yes, it's it's like the sun sunny state. Queensland is like the sunny state of Australia, so Brisbane is like the city capital of Queensland, and it's oh, so much like okay. it's so much like Cebu. Na, oh wow! Okay, na and that's where parang, you live, no? That's where Cebu. I am. Yeah, that's yeah. where I am. It's not. It's not. It doesn't get very cold in winters, and there's so many beaches also around. There's so much hinterlands. Um. So yeah, it's like it's a very cozy city. Um, okay. But also, I like I like any city with a body of water, and Brisbane mm, has okay. a, a huge river. So wow. so every day, like wow. when I was living there, every day I get to ride the ferry, which I which is I love, which I love. Oh wow! It's <laughs> your commute, no? Wow, riding the ferry yeah, every day. Yeah, that was my my commute to school. Oh, it's oh so that cool. sounds so beautiful. I'm sure you've been to a lot of places. So what would be your favorite food or cuisine? So it can be a dish, type of cooking. Yeah. Uh, I still go back to home, Australia. obviously. Mm. Ah, Pinoy, okay. Pinoy pa rin. Like, if I have, <laughs> if I have, 
if I have intense cravings or my comfort food is still Filipino food, and I, mm. I would say I would say that's still my favorite cuisine. Mm. But um, if I have intense cravings, it would probably be Japanese and Italian. Uh, oh, wow. I was waiting for you to say lechon, eh. Because Cebu is the best lechon. Yeah. Definitely. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Pero yung, yung comfort food ko, sinigang. Oh, wow. yeah. For sure. Whenever for we sure. have um, foreign visitors, it's not a double that I uh, ask them to taste it. It's sinigang. Yeah. I like sinigang Ito. more than you know, any other Adobo. Filipino dish. Yeah. Alright, so next naman, Anya, my next question is something that uh, I'm sure you have this. What are the top five things that you can't travel without? Not including your passport, wallet, <laughs> um, and your cell phone. The essentials. Um, yeah. I always travel with a sunscreen. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> the top of mind stuff are like personal care. So <laughs> like, um, lip balm, okay. my my essential oils. Pag nahilo hilo or something. <laughs> Instead of meds, use essential oils. Yeah, but I also I also obviously have to bring whatever supplements I take. Ganyan. Mm. Um, I always have with me um, a coverwear, you know, okay. like a coverwear, okay. like a, a jacket or a bolero or my panyo kapa, like um mm. because like when I you know you need something to keep you warm when you're in the plane and airports airports are usually are very cold. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and I always bring a good book and my journal. Mhm. Mm. Wow. Okay. So that's wow, I'm so five. <laughs> so your kappa, yeah, your yeah. personal essentials, sunscreen, your a book and your journal. So very ano naman, very personal care talaga siya no? Self-care, self-care essential. And last yeah. but not the least, though, this is a very interesting question. Yeah. What was, if there's anything that you experienced, a travel faux pas or embarrassing moment during your travels? My most this is something that I always share when I'm asked, like, what's your most embarrassing moment? My okay. most embarrassing, it's a classic one. Um, in 2011, I think, yeah. Okay. My my girlfriends and I went backpacking in Europe, and it was like an all girls, all girls, super low budget trip. And okay. we were we were in Am we were we were in Amsterdam, and you know we wanted to kind of tick off one of our bucket lists, which is like. Mm. To get high and um, <laughs> okay. and, and smoke weed and something, but perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so it was the perfect place to do it because it was legal, obviously. But it mm. was it was my first time to eat happy brownies and mm. okay. we didn't we didn't have dinner. Uh, we didn't have dinner prior to exploring that underground <laughs> bar. Oh my god! And oh. when they when when they handed me the brownie, I like chucked the whole thing inside my mouth because I was so hungry. Oh. With without without reading, oh without reading the label that the you're fine supposed print. to just yeah the fine print <laughs> that you're supposed to just eat a bit a piece oh, and see how you eat it in one go. See. Yeah, like oh I was so hungry. God. Yeah, and oh my God. so so yeah, you can imagine what happened Sounds after fine. that. So, <laughs> so I I I blacked out. 
uh, for a while and um and my my friends had to pour I know actually I poured water on oh myself my God. <laughs> yeah just to kind of wake up and obviously I got so high and it was funny and until now like my friends have a vid- a black a blackmail blackmail video of me yeah 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 Yeah. <laughs> baby evidence, eh. yeah, but it was so funny. Like in that video, I was like sharing or saying, "Na kids, this is your mom at 23 something." Like that. Um, this is my first time to get high. Don't ever do drugs, something like that. <laughs> illegally, oh, that's a very illegally. insightful, very insightful message there. Yeah, at least Marin <laughs> parin siyang. Um, it's still out of. It's coming from a place of love and concern. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very fascinating. Oh my god. Yeah. So my friends, <laughs> my friends love telling that story because it was really super funny. I mean, there's a whole story because of what happened, but yeah, you know, short version. Right, right. That's uh, the short of it. <laughs> yeah. So, Annie, you're one of the most well-traveled person I know. Um, from oh. a young girl at 13 years old going to yeah, Australia, absolutely. backpacking around Europe, then I'm sure um, you visited Australia. studying Australia and more travels um, around Asia. Um, were those travels like a source of information when you decided to start Anthill? Um, yes, definitely. I mean, I feel like every travel experience you have somewhat influences your passion and mm. your purpose. Right, um, right. Yeah. After, after Australia, um, I actually spent um, three months, my, my big international travel mm-hmm. after that, 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 that group exchange in Australia mm-hmm. was um, in Taiwan. So I, mm. wow, okay. I, I, I did a, a summer job in Taiwan for three months and then I lived in Taiwan for um, 10 months and okay. immersed myself in an indigenous village. Ah. Mm, okay. Yeah. And also like growing up, I mentioned earlier, my parents mm-hmm. would take us around traveling all over the Philippines because that right. was what we uh. could afford. Mm-mm, and my mm-mm. mom was a missionary herself. So, oh, that's oh, wow, so cool. Okay. So my first immersion of like a weaving village was in Banaue. And that's really our origin story. Like that's the origin story of Antin. Mm. My immersion and exposure in that weaving village in Banaue was like that's my mom planting that seed of cultural appreciation and, wow. and um, appreciation of our identity as Filipinos, appreciating our our traditional crafts and what it means to to us as as Filipinos. So yes, it's it definitely has had quite a lot of influence in my journey in Anthill. When you were there, you no know, engaging with the community, engaging with the weavers. Now, what was it that you saw in the weaving in the community that really inspired you to start something like this? So I would always share that my bedtime stories were that of the stories of our different indigenous tribes and mm, not okay. of, and not of Disney princesses. So I, I had this yeah. I had this favorite book in um our Araling Panlipunan. It's uh-huh. just basically mm-hmm. a textbook, right? But yeah. It's full of stories and poems and 
And I'm, up until now, I have that book. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my mom would read to me stories in that book. And so, right. when we went to Banawe, it really did feel like it was my version of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So, okay. it was like a huge, a very huge part of my childhood. And then what happened was, um, because, because we had such a rich experience there, um, mm. I decided to go back to Banawe with my brother in the same okay. village. And mm. so from, from experiencing feeling so alive and parang, oh, these are my people, yun yung first time, <laughs> yun yung feeling ko the first time I went. When we came back, when my brother and I came back, the mm-hmm. village turned into a ghost town Why? because lahat ng mga tao. And when we asked around, apparently they ended up becoming tour guides because that was what oh, provided yun yun income, ano, immediate income right. for yeah, them. Yeah. Right. So, parang yun yung mabentang work at the time. Yeah, and mm. and none of the younger generation wanted to learn all these crafts anymore because they didn't see the relevance of of learning these crafts because right. there was no access to market. So mm. that was really kind of what made me think how if we don't do something about making this known to people, uh-huh. then it's uh-huh. going to die. That's wow. true. That's true. So this really your contribution to Philippine culture, no? It's trying to preserve oh, oh, what they have. It's not just um, using their culture as an inspiration for the design. But actually sharing it Preserving through pieces that people can own. Because yeah. I remember um, going to one of the stores near Intramuros. You can see there the fabrics, eh, the the fabrics. Manila they make it with scars. Yeah, Malin, uh, yeah, I think Manila, Manila collectible. collectible. Yeah. Collectible. Yeah. Then I found it a bit expensive. I mean, as in super expensive, because I think those are um, ito talaga pang museum. Yeah, heritage. And I think right. for Ant Hill. You made it more accessible. Now I can actually own something that um, doesn't cost um, an arm and leg, right? Yeah. But it costs an arm and leg for a reason, also. Right. Uh, Maybe you can explain a little bit more, Anya. Why does it cost yeah, yeah. an arm and a leg uh, to own a specific piece, like not just an antel piece, no, but anything that was traditionally made and, and you know lovingly created by the the weavers? Well, aside from the time spent in actually oh, yeah. weaving mm. a fabric, like right. just warping a piece would probably take a day or two. Right. Um, Sourcing the material, if it's a natural fiber, would probably take a month. Right. You know, apart from the times, wow. apart from the time spent, not just in, not just even in the weaving process, but in the preparation for the weaving, and then plus the labor, how labor intensive weaving can be. Right. I, mean, I guess you have to experience or witness it for yourself to understand how labor intensive it is. Mm-hmm. Um. It's expensive because you're actually, you're not just, you have to look at it beyond price, but also see the cultural value of yeah. um, the product. These are, the, we're, we're, you're, you're not paying for just uh, a piece of clothing, but also mm. you're paying right. for, for um, you know, the, the cultural, intellectual property, the story of every 
every community, every indigenous community. And to be, to be honest, there's no mm. price, there's no price tag to that. That's true. Mm. Yeah. It's not just a piece of clothing, right? It's a story. It's it's you know, it's effort and it's it's the whole. It's just the, the life of that person and their tribe, the, the stories of their tribe that you're wearing. Yeah. And it's it's. I remember. Um. I remember getting a trench coat from you guys. I forget what it's called, but it was this really beautiful brown trench coat with. Capote. Yes, the capote. And I remember, interestingly enough, I wore it to Australia. Because I went, to, mm-hmm. I went there. Because um, malamig sa airport and everything. And there was this woman who came up to me and she's like, "Oh, ganda naman ng suit mo." It was an Australian woman, and she's like, "I really mm-hmm. like your, I know, your your trench coat." So I'm like, "Oh, it's, I know, it's this. It's from Ant Hill Fabric Gallery." And I showed her. I said, "Super pinaka ko na Instagram." Oh, <laughs> thank you. Minenta ko na. Such an advocate. So, I know, right? I'm, I'm like your number one fan. Um, and pero pero to me, what that really spoke about wearing your culture, right? Wearing your tradition, wearing your history, and I felt so proud. Especially every time I get people who come up to me and say, "Oh, I like your," and I have this, I have this panyo skirt I bought from you like years ago, and I wear mm-hmm. it all the time. And I always, all every time I wear it, I always get complimented on it by wow. you know. Cause I, I always I, see I Denise work... in your ano in yeah, your creations. Yeah, like, wow, yeah, if only I can wear a skirt, de ba? <laughs> <laughs> but well, they have polos naman and everything. Yeah, yeah, we have polos, neckties. Yeah. yeah, and the infinity really scarf. Nice accessories. Oh yeah. yeah, I think you would look yeah. good in an infinity yeah, scarf. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and these pieces are not just um, shouldn't just be left inside museums. Because I, I go to museums like Pinto, nakita ko yung mga fabric. Eh. It's actually mm. being used, being promoted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Anya, can you tell me about what are where do you get uh, those um, fabric designs? Like um, some of the communities that you've worked with. Can you tell us about that? Uh, we don't um, get the designs. Uh, mm. the, dis- the designs are indigenous to the artisan communities that we work okay. with. Mm. So we work with um, what we call our direct partners and okay. our text- textile partners. So with, mm. our text- with our direct partners, this is where we run our community enterprise development program. So mm. it helps build their capacity to become successful entrepreneurs on ah. their own so they mm-hmm. become self-reliant and we have a community in abra in bukidnon in argao in cebu and mm-hmm. then in lake cebu south cotobato which is the sotonawa and then mm-hmm. the doll the doll making community in cebu um home plush toys but on top of that we work with 13 other textile partners all over wow. the country so wow. from, from Sagada, Ifugao, um, Mangyan tribe in in Mindoro, um, Lake Cebu, Tenalak weavers, um, mm, everywhere, wow. everywhere. Mm. Wow! And these are also places that people go to visit, ano? I suppose they're also yeah, way, like that's also oh. one thing that that we try to help them on like how they mm-hmm. can market their textiles to local tourists mm-hmm. um, uh, in fact like um we had a we have a project with the office of the vice president they mm-hmm. intru- they introduced us to the yakan community in basilan and uh-huh. the office of the vice president through the angat buhar program 
worked on establishing a weaving center for them oh, wow. that, that That's could great. that would also serve like a tourist destination so they they are assured of sustainable livelihood when they're able to also tap into the local malls yeah that's amazing. So, in relation to that, I have a question about your fieldwork stories. Sure. Um, so, can you tell me a, a fulfilling fieldwork story that you've had or you experienced um, during the times that you visited the community? My most fulfilling experience on the field would be being able to have the resources to actually bring my entire team to the mm. Daraguyan Bukidnon tribe. So wow. we we did this in two thousand um, seventeen, if I'm not oh, wow. mistaken. Okay. Okay. Um, so that has always been like my goal mm-hmm. as a founder that one day I'm able to bring everyone in my core team mm. to, ex- to to meet one of our communities. So a lot mm. of them have a lot of them have gone with me. Um, at different capacities in different communities, but it's only mm-hmm. like one, two people. But obviously, like our finance officer has never, <laughs> has never a- accompanied me in any field trips. So, so it was such a dream come true, lang for me to get everyone to meet the community and be there. And it was also our team building. So it's fun. It was a bit of a trek going up to the community. So. So it's fun lang for me to see them um, kind of roughing it up and being mm. out of the office. <laughs> yeah, it's a different really, environment for them. Yeah, and really understanding <laughs> firsthand and experiencing firsthand like what's the value of the work that we do and how right. it Im- how it impacts um, the lives of, of our partners. Mm. It's amazing that you're able to bring them to to Bukit Nano and it's a it's a actually a story that I've heard so many times in different NGOs and social enterprises. See, finance would always say na, oh, ang mahal naman ito, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, stop doing field work because it's costly, blah, blah, blah. And always kasi it's, it's I guess, it, it's not their fault, no, that's their job. But it's also because they aren't able to experience firsthand how it is to work with the communities. And so when you bring your back end to the I guess to what your bottom line is, no? to, to helping the communities, to supporting them, and to making really sustainable and meaningful enterprises, right? When you bring them there and they see it, and then the numbers to them, no, yung, yung financial statements and everything, mas may kwento na, and then they have a deeper appreciation yeah. of what you guys actually do. Those are the intangibles eh, that cannot be measured by your bottom lines. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Totoo, totoo. and it's a shared experience right like mm. it, it deepens the yes. the trust and the the relationship also of everyone in the team and they have a better appreciation of their role also in the, yeah in the mission yeah just a little, to backtrack lang no, my, my question now is since field work naman, whenever you go and work with new communities for example and I'm sure you've had experience with this no, uh, as you grew until from perhaps um, a few communities to, to growing it to where you are now whenever you go and visit them what are the first things that you um, I suppose notice or or identify whenever you go to visit a new community. When the first time we visit the community, the first thing we observe really is their dynamic. 
Like mm-hmm. how how do they relate with each other and what's the culture like within the locality or the context of where they're at? Like, um, you know, is it is it a very a very traditional type of community where um, they have such hierarchy? Like there are tribal elders and there's there's that there's that um, structure within the community uh, that's very strong that you have to also understand and respect. So mm. that's the first thing we kind of familiarize ourselves with. So we understand also who we talk to and how we should respectfully engage with them. I think that's very interesting. The first thing you look at is their dynamics. Because it's really... It's, it's different if you're working with one person versus when you're working with a community. And it's not like a cookie-cutter um, thing, right? Like Totoo. how you work with one community is similar to how you work with another. Mm, that's, n- that's never, yeah. that's never the case. It's different dynamics talaga. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like for example, our community in Bukidnon, the Daraguyan Bukidnon community, they're very poetic, very spiritual. Oh, they're, okay. Wow. They're, they're, kumbaga, then sila yung woo-woo. Ganun. They're very, oh, wow, okay. They're, they're very, they're very profound beings and their culture is something that's very, um, very spiritual for them. Mm. So even the way, even the way they talk, it's very flowery, very romantic. Mm. Um, and so, but also they have such, such um, strong respect for rituals and cultural traditions and the hierarchy of of leadership within the community. But if you work with our urban community, the doll makers here, para yeah. lang kayo nagchichismisa ng mga tita, you know, like huh. it's it's also Aww. very different. Like it's very candid. They're very. Um, they don't like they don't like rules so much the 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 relationship is more like mas magkumare ganun. oh wow okay yeah and then in in our community naman in abra the rural community hmm. um they're all very matriarchal you know because um. they're yeah but but they're also all very resourceful you know hindi sila they're not quick to complain um, because they're so used to the value of working hard. Oh, that's amazing. Know. So yeah, it really varies. Yeah. Yeah. From all these fieldworks, Anya, have you ever encountered um, mga heartbreaking fieldwork stories while you were um, working in Abra or in Cebu? Uh, the most heartbreaking story actually for me isn't... Um, related to my work in Anthill and this is mm. probably the reason why I shifted my advocacy or my advocacy work from children to women. Mm. Um, so I used to work for an international non-profit organization and I was doing advocacy communications and resource mob and in one of my field work, my immersions, I visited this family of six who mm. lived who lived in a very 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 tiny um barong not even a barong it's just really made out of parang nipa and twigs and okay. they lived like right beside the river 
Um, mm. And to get to their to get to their house, and they had kids like as young as six, five. Okay. Um, and to get to their house, like you have to have a long trek, mga around an hour trek. What? And this, an hour? Wow! To uh, get to their place. Yeah, and and this 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 that's that's not kind of the worst part. The worst part okay, is yeah. the worst part is it was in a very parang rocky terrain, like coral rock type of terrain. Oh. So mm-hmm. parang konting slide mo lang nahulog gabi ak ulo mo, ganong type. And, oh my gosh! And they're raising kids there. That very yeah, dangerous and, terrain. and so the oh. mom would make cassava, and that's the only source of livelihood they have. Okay. The 16-year-old girl looks like she's 40, and then oh. she oh. only feeds her kids cassava. And so oh we oh were co- we we were covering the story of this young little little girl. And the teacher was saying that she doesn't like to go to school because she only eats cassava. And you know what that does to your your digestive yeah. system, oh, right? Yeah. Oh. So at one time, she parang accidentally um, soiled her skirt. Oh my. Um, and obviously, she got bullied and teased because of that. Oh my gosh. And so she didn't want to... To go to school anymore and when i asked her like what's your favorite food without a blink of an eye in a split mm. second she answered rice you know because she's never had rice and we had we wow. had like we brought food for them like sobrang simple food lang that we bought from a and mm. and 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 she ate she ate the fish and the rice and the the utan bisaya like it was heaven you know like that was very heartbreaking for me mm, because mm-hmm. it's not the worst of poverty that i've seen but mm. um it was heartbreaking because to me the mom is trying she was a single mom and she was trying so hard to be able to provide for her children to go to school and live a better life but she does, didn't have the resources and the means to do so and she was just kind of making it work whatever she has there for her available yeah just so, for survival nila. yeah and mm. i thought like them depending on like the scholarships that this ingo provides is not enough like i i realized at that moment that for for a child to have a better life, she is she needs to have a better caregiver. Mm. You know, like um yeah. like the yeah. the mom should have the capacity to be able to to care for herself so she can care for others and care for her children. So that was also one of like the big, big dots that that led me to Ant Hill. And I think Neil and I also have our own share. Yeah, oh my, I was trying to remember stories. remember those fieldwork stories. Eh, it really impacted talag- you. Uh, yeah, iba talaga when you're able to, you know, especially in our work, in our development work, it's really different when you see it versus when you hear it. Because it's statistics. statistics. Eh. Yeah, you do research, you look at their numbers, but once you're there, it becomes a real story. 
and I think just traveling exposes you to those stories that you don't normally um, experience or get to face. Na hindi na siya namumukaan pag nasa office ka lang. So writing the reports. So Anya, um, how does traveling influence um, how you run your business? Aside from um, the local communities that you meet, um, were there also influences um, outside of that, outside of those fieldwork travels? Um, with, with our fieldwork, it largely influences our decision-making process because mm. obviously, obviously we have to always take into consideration what our partners want and needs. Um, but uh, apart from like fieldwork, I also travel a lot for inspiration. And yeah. um, uh. when I'm able to kind of explore creative cities and um, meet other creatives, I always carry back home um, innovative ideas that I can also apply in Ant Hill in terms of say product development or mm-hmm. how to improve systems, yeah. um, how to yeah. be able to to grow the business, how to improve our company culture, etc. Like most of my travel also entails a lot of learning and exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've been very fortunate that a lot of my travels also were anchored or accompanied by like a program, like a learning mm, program or a okay. course, etc. So, so there. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned creative cities. Maybe can you name mm-hmm. some of those creative cities? Yeah, um, actually, UNESCO has a um, creative city. Like they authenticate, you go through a, you go through a, a process of um, authentication where they mm, okay. where they establish that you're a creative city. So there's a oh, so it's a technical city. term, no? Yeah. Creative city. There, yes, it is. There's ah. a creative city network within the Southeast Asia. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And and Cebu is, is UNESCO um, certified, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, That's good. And I think in in there's also one in Malaysia. It's I think it's Penang. Oh, ah, okay. And then um, in Indonesia, it's I'm not. I'm not very sure it's Bandung. Ah, uh, okay. And then in Thailand, it's Chiang Mai. Oh, um, wow. okay. So I've been to Chiang Mai. Like, siguro, this isn't the technical term, but this is just a city that's crea- <laughs> okay. a cre- creative and thriving. So I'll, I'll name a few. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. When um, I, did this, I did this professional exchange program, and we spent time in, in Vermont. Mm, okay. Wow. And, and New Hampshire, uh, all around mm. New, ha- New Hampshire, the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. And they're they're very big on um, craft preservation. So there's a lot oh, of like wow. local stores, um, mm-hmm. and they have regulations on how how a town should look like and how it supports wow. supports a lot of local businesses. Huh. So that's one one very memorable city that I really. Uh, got so much inspiration from mm. and then um i india india is a huge huge oh yeah oh of influ- course yeah influence to me as well so i've been to india twice and wow okay. i'm um i'm a fan i like adore and i like gandhi is my hero level oh, okay um, <laughs> And so, like, just being able to use the power of Kadi, uh, the loom, and the woven mm, cloth I as see. a as a piece of revolution, 
um, as a piece of a piece of revolution for a peaceful revolution was also right. so, so powerful for me and that really influenced how we kind of developed our business model mm-hmm. you know how we wanted to use the power of weaving and the power of cloth to empower or to make to create a, an environment for women to to really um you know uh, raise their way of living so yeah, that's so true. And, and obviously in india there's so much crafts like block printing weaving um mm-hmm. and mas there's so much yata yung fabric ano nila no industry sa india yeah because they still wear their saris every yeah. day you know yeah oh. like yun, 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 yeah that's true yun din yung, yun yung vision um before na parang if you know if countries like india are able to to actually still wear to this day their traditional clothing traditional wear yeah. then why can't we not do it and they yeah, were also exactly. colo- they were also colonized by by um by the, the Brit- Brits yeah. Yeah, yeah for so long so that's second and then I'll name three because I don't have to tapos. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay sige, go ahead yung, yung third one yung third one would probably be Myanmar um I went to Bagan and um we did this parang craft village um mm, okay immersion kind of 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 it it wasn't a tour because um it was just us <laughs> and okay. our oh. our guide but um we we immersed ourselves in the process of lacquerware oh, and wow. okay and it was just to me amazing how an entire village is able to preserve the craft and the tradition by teaching a certain family to be a master in something. So, for mm. example, like one family is only a master in etching, and then one family is a master in, like, say, um, making the the piece itself. You know, so mm. the process of like not one family knowing the whole thing. Um, okay. allow them to sustain the entire craft because the elders are compelled to teach the younger generation how to do what they're good at. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was really, it was the pride of the family to be a master in something. Right. And it really literally takes a village no, to finish uh, a piece, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. pinapasa nila from one family to another. And that was super powerful because grabe, ang daming effect on the dynamics of the family and um and the community spirit. So, so yun. Ang galing. Alam mo, it's interesting pa. that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Oo nga, eh, pero interesting na na-mention mo yun, Anya. Kasi eh, eh, parang going around Southeast Asia, hindi nyo napansin ko, no? A lot of other our neighbors they actually have craft villages they call it craft villages and they really like um encourage visitors to come and and experience that no and like here parang i haven't seen any movement na you know to organize it and to make it really a a a, a thing no, that people can do you can go and immerse yourselves in the crafts that we have in the Philippines but in fact in our country and dami din natin iba't ibang classing crafts that we do yeah, yeah it exists oh. like we do have i mean all of our crafts are done in mm-hmm. village in are done in villages right right but to your point you're right hindi lang siya institutionalized and yeah walang you know there's no regulation or like there's no organization that I guess facilitates that formally. 
Because like you said, may village, and then it just so happens they do crafts, but it's not really like okay, this is a craft village, so they they have laws, they have rules, they're protected, they're supported, no, to be able to continue the craft. Yeah. Ayun. So I think we've uh, we've covered so much, and actually, para mm. I think the hour is not even enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mean, there's so many there's so many more things you can talk about when it comes to culture, and hopefully we can yeah, have another like, episode on that. Travel is my passion also so oh. like that's one thing that's one thing i miss so much i, I miss doing so much I, I miss i miss just being able to you know have your quiet alone time at the airport i miss traveling alone so much yeah Ang sarap yeah. Actually, travel alone yeah 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 it's actually a, a, and that's also why we did this podcast so to remind us and to fuel our excitement for travel. Mm. And I think I saw your um your IG story the uh, I think it was yesterday or the other day where mm. you said I miss being a stranger in a strange land. Mm. And that was so beautiful because it's really uh, for me it's liberating to be a stranger and be able to observe and and be present in culture, the tradition, and even the cuisine of a different country. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that 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 kasi what excites me the most mm. the an- the anticipation of arriving in a strange place a stranger. Ah, that's good. That's beautiful. <laughs> arriving beautiful. in a strange place a, a stranger. stranger. A stranger. That's what I said, yeah. Ayon. And so I think we've come to the last yeah. very very last question. We've come to the end <laughs> of our show. Yeah. We ask uh, we have one more question and we ask this to all our guests. So the question is what is traveling for you, Anya? It in really, one word. Yeah, in uh, one, one word. Uh, one word. Oh, one word naman. Isip ko one word ba to? Yeah, self. Yeah, just one word. Yeah, yeah, one word. In one word. Yeah. Um, to me, travel is really an act of self-exploration. Oh, wow. Mm. Ang galing. Self-exploration. Ang galing, no? But it's a, that's such a beautiful, um, that's such a beautiful word, no? self-exploration. You think it's about running away, but it's actually running into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I travel, it seem I mean, for some people, it may seem like, an escape right like yeah. you go into you go immerse yourself in the outside world yeah yeah that's true and um i guess experience the the hugeness of how the world is mm. um and and expand your glo- worldly perspective etc but mm, but to me personally to me what travel does is it allows me to go further inward Mm. Ang galing. Yeah. Ang galing. Thank you. And with that, thank you, Anya. Of oh, course. But before, yeah. but before we end, maybe you can share where where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, your Instagram account, Facebook. Yes. And, yeah. uh, sure. I mean, thank you, Neil and Denise, for doing this. I think we really are, we should really be able to access more inspiring content online. Um, and I can't wait to to travel again and and yes. celebrate <laughs> celebrate yeah. cultures but um yeah you can catch um our you can find our stuff um mm-hmm. in anthillfabricgallery.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at anthillfabric okay yay, yay. so thank you anya thank, thank you, you so much thank you so much, much.
On behalf of your Mabuhay Passenger Team, we thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. Never miss a flight by sharing this episode or subscribing to our Spotify page or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also, like our Facebook and Instagram page, Mabuhay Passenger, for other flight announcements. It was truly a pleasure having you on board and we hope to travel with you again soon in our next episode. Once again, thank you and Mabuhay Passenger! passenger.